I'm smarter in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so at that moment, I was very challenged. I contracted a coach, a language coach, to train me in terms of my ask was like for the first board in six months, I need them to fight against me if they don't doesn't agree with me. But I don't want anybody to say I didn't get it. What are you saying? No, I don't want that part. The other I can manage. And since then, I really think I was presenting at all the big events in my industry. So I realized that it's not the pronunciation, it's not the grammar, is that you are able to connect your ideas with the audience. And I really think nobody cares if you have an accent or if you use the incorrect tense of the verb. Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast hosted by Thaisa Fernandes. Welcome to Latinx in Power. Today we are talking with Rosario Casas. Rosario is an entrepreneur with over seven years of experience in data and technology platforms and over 20 years of executive experience. She is a spatial computer expert, co-founder of XR Americans and BC Partners Tech. And she is also dedicated to promoting women in technology. I just want to say something, wow. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for what you are doing. Creating these conversations is really useful to change the environment and the perception of Latino talent. I'm so excited with this episode. So we will discuss Rosario's cultural identity and journey to becoming an entrepreneur in technology. She will share insights on spatial computing systems, failure, team building, risk-taking and the future of artificial intelligence and machine learning. I'm so excited with this conversation. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot. Thank you, Rosario. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And what does it mean to be a Latina for you? I, I love to be a Latina. That means two things. I really think that talent is everywhere, but we Latina people, we learn how to build things with less resources than many others. And I really think that gave us bravery. That's the first thing that I think is to be a Latina. And the second one is when I was checking your website and everything, we have an accent. That means we are bold people with uh, always creating something, changing something, moving something in a way that is not necessarily the regular one. And I think that could be a phenomenal opportunity when we are able to join forces as Latinas. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I love what you said that we do a lot of things with the resources that we have and definitely with the accent part. How was this process for you? Uh, maybe I can share a little bit how it was for me. I think I had a process where in the beginning, I hate my accent. I tried to fake it. I tried to change. And then I realized this is not going to happen. And then I also realized that maybe this is my superpower, right? Because I came from another country. Maybe I have a different perspective. And this is what makes me unique. So I'm kind of like going to use that. So now all the time, every time I have an opportunity, I say, I'm a Latina. <laughs> Do you know, for me, well, I learned English really as an adult. I'm a perfectionist. Being an entrepreneur, I learned how not to be that much perfectionist. But of course, I was like judging myself all the time with that, that voice in my head saying, mm -mm, that's not the pronunciation, that's not the word, that's not the T 
tens of the verbs. So back in 2013, I was recruited to be the CEO for a big data and artificial intelligence company in Silicon Valley. And that was the big challenge because I was elected because I was a good manager because of my track record as a manager. But I knew at that time that I, I didn't have the English level to manage a company or at least to report to the board and the investors. That was like my main challenge. I was like, no, I know how to manage the team, but I'm not sure that I will be. There is this joke that we say, I'm smarter in Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) So at that moment, I was very challenged. I contracted a coach, a language coach, to train me in terms of my ask was like, for the first board in six months, I need them to fight against me if they don't, doesn't agree with me. But I don't want anybody to say I didn't get it. What are you saying? No, I don't want that part. The other, I can manage. And since then, I really think I was presenting at all the big events in my industry. So I realized that it's not the pronunciation, it's not the grammar, is that you are able to connect your ideas with the audience. And I really think nobody cares if you have an accent or if you use the incorrect tense of the verb sometime. That happens everywhere. The important thing is to transmit your knowledge, your ideas, your passion. So how that was more important than the accent or anything else. And at the end, I realized that people remember who I am because I have this accent. It's not an average person. So Mm -hmm. it's, as you said, like a superpower also. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And when you share your story, I thought about maybe we feel that way that we need to change our accent or whatever, because we don't have a lot of leaders who are from Latin America that talk like us. Right. So we don't have a lot of references. And it's it's interesting because yesterday I was with a friend and my partner. We were watching an interview with Bad Bunny and I love Bad Bunny and I love how sometimes he starts speaking in English and then he just say it in Spanish and he doesn't care. I think this is so powerful. And I was watching a lot of interviews with him and I love it. I love it. I think it's incredible. And I think it's very powerful. And we definitely need more representation, especially in tech, because we don't have many, especially in a leadership position. So maybe in the future, things will change. Maybe the new generation will feel more comfortable with the accents and the way they speak. Also, I think we need to create something for the next generations. It is like the possibility to see a leader in every style. I mean, I think I'm curly. The majority of the times I'm very curly. And so it's like the ratatouille effect. Like any person can be a good chef, meaning that you don't need to have that specific type of dress or that specific professional background to be a leader. You can be a leader because you have different things. And also, as we started saying, Latinos can do a lot of things with less resources. We can do the same things of the other people in the world, even if we don't have the background in X, Y, or C university, because we are many times complementing with other skills that we develop because of the environment where we live. So showing younger generations that you can be a leader with a background, with a style, with a tone, with an accent that is not the regular one, the one built by the stereotypes. I really think that's very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And what inspired you to pursue a career in technology entrepreneurship? (laughs) Well, I started, really, I started in politics. I started in anti-corruption many years ago. My dream was to be president of Colombia. 
But down the road, I was doing my task very well. I was working in the government. I was even chief of staff for a first lady in Colombia. But I realized that the private sector entrepreneurship is the only way to really promise a job and create the job. When you are in the government, you can promise the environment for job and whatever. But when you are an entrepreneur, you can really create the job, take the decision and contract that person and then answer for the payroll. And that makes a difference. So I switched career from the public environment to a private company. I started creating, my first business was in finance and uh, I had a, an investment banking boutique. We were doing mergers, acquisitions and raising money for companies and so forth. And then that Silicon Valley company arrived to my office. They were acquiring a small Colombian company. We lead the merging process. And uh, in the meantime, they offered me to be a global CEO. And that's how I entered into the technology world. The weirdest possible way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Completely crazy thing. The day when I entered, I was thinking in something short term. It was like, I can help this company while they grow. And then I can return back to my finance world. But really, I became in love with what was happening in the frontier technologies. I mean, I saw the potential of advanced analytics, call it in any of their dresses. But uh, I saw all the potential of analytics well used, all the potential of the new technologies. Uh, we were flying drones also at that time. So I am a nerd. I realized also that that world is every day changing. So I have an excuse to learn new things. And that's how I moved to technology. And one day I was hearing all the people, no, but you are not a technical person, but you are not a technical person. But And I was like, no, 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 no. That's my decision, not their decision. So I started learning code and learning how to develop product and learning how to prototype and build product. And from there, I changed my career and my profile 100%. Incredible. I love your journey. So that's amazing. Sometimes I think like we only dream about things we know, right? As we are learning new things and possibilities, we start to dream bigger. This morning we were talking about a book, I don't know if you know, Kant and the Platypus by yeah. Umberto Eco. It has a, a chapter that I love because the day I read that, it changed my vision of many things. When Marco Polo arrived to Central Java, he saw an animal with a horn in the nose and he assumed that was a unicorn because that was the image that he had in the brain, in his mind. But instead of thinking, maybe this is something that I don't know, he assumed it was a unicorn and he wrote in the diaries that it was amazing how incredible how European people was, was wrong about unicorns because their horn was not uh, soft and beautiful and the skin was not beautiful and so forth and so forth. So Instead of thinking, this is super different than the things I know, so this is not a unicorn, he was thinking the, all, the other part of the world was wrong about the unicorns. And sometimes we do the same thing. We yeah. judge what we don't know. Absolutely. And we miss opportunities. And I, I think the question that a lot of people might be thinking, how was your process getting to work with spatial computing systems? How was this process for you? <laughs> well, everything arrived because of the analytics. That company that I managed at that time was doing uh, path recognition on top of video and images and so. So one day after that, I resigned and we moved to New York with my husband because of his work. 
And one day I was working with a company called Dashbit. They were doing programmatic advertising analytics and bidding on top of digital video. And I saw how it worked. And I was telling the founder and CEO of that company, who is a good friend and also a business partner, I told Tom, do you imagine when we will be able to run analytics on top of the real world with a layer that is just digital and we see it? with the phone or with glasses or with something. And he was like, mm, I could, but I don't know when this will be happening. So we started to have conversations around 360 video at that time. Well, we started XR Americas and we started developing content on 360 and then virtual reality interactive and then augmented reality, that layer that I was imagining, of course, the combination between standards, hardware and software that I imagined at that time, 2015, is not yet here, it's arriving slowly, but it's arriving. And that's what I was imagining. And of course, if you mix all this opportunity of augmented reality, especially is where I concentrate more with computer vision, the recognition of the real objects in the world, and you connect both to advanced analytics in any form, you have a, a magical world where you can paint anything in the in top of the real world and create or realities or opportunities or education or safety improvement for many industries where I work in that convergence. Incredible. That's so interesting. Yeah, I love this story. And you are very successful in your career and it's very inspiring. And I love to talk about another topic as well that I feel that sometimes we don't talk that much, which is failure. How do I approach failure in your career and what lessons have you learned from past setbacks? Well, I think I'm an optimist by style. So basically, I really think that failure is always giving you an opportunity to know how not to do things anymore. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of initiatives that were not successful, some because of bad decisions. It took some time, some because of the environment, the market, because when you dream big, and I used to dream very big, the world is not necessarily ready for it. Let's say if I would like to have everything running for XR Americas, I imagine as I envision it for the future, if I should have it running that way in the past, I will be completely frustrated. So what I was doing is trying, testing, checking if the things work or not, and pivoting from there, improving from there. So I really think my approach to failure is resilience, is adaptation. Of course, there are projects that I would love to see growing and will never grow because of anything, because of me, because of my decisions, because of the lack of resources in some moments, or because of uh, the lack of the correct partners also in some moments that happens, or the team <laughs> that's complex to find a team with the skills that you want to build the future at some time. But patience, learning, and like the self-awareness of what I'm able today with what I have and what I dream to have, and how can I bridge that gap? That's my approach, basically. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I feel you when you say that you're a perfectionist, and it's very <laughs> hard to think about it's failing not. when we are as perfectionists, especially, I feel, but this framework, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. I think it puts everything into perspective and helps a lot. How do you approach risk-taking in your career and decision-making process? Well, I really think that there are two things. One is I don't perceive myself as a risk taker, but the people around me perceives me as a risk taker. It means I would like to take more risk <laughs> than I take, but of course I take enough. 
And I really think taking decisions, if you want to build the future, you need to take decisions very early with a very few context or information to start. Otherwise, you will be late. So I used to take decisions to get into the things before everybody's there, before everybody sees the things. But I think it's the only way if you want to build the future and be part of it. I compensate that with a business that is the regular one. Busy Partners Tech is a, we are the technical team for non-technical founders. So there we don't have that we have in Exat Americas. So I think I compensate both of them. But at the same time with Busy Partners, we are helping small businesses, regular businesses to grow and scale thanks to technology and the use of technology. So trying to balance the things, but for sure, the future is risky. And if you are not taking risks, you will not be part of that future. Thinking about taking decisions mm -hmm. earlier, or maybe testing new softwares and new technology mm -hmm. earlier. <laughs> How do you see artificial intelligence and machine learning evolving in the coming years? And what impact do you think it will have in various industries? I think this is top of mind of everyone from the oh, past previous you. months, right? Yes, yes, yes. And I love the conversation is evolving in many different ways. I think the technology is here to start doing really interesting things. I mean, I'm, I'm in this topic since 2013 in depth. One of the key challenges is to keep the human component, the human analysis, the critical thinking aware in the teams because the wow effect of what is possible with the current technology status and what will be possible with the technology that will be available in three months, six months, one year, that will be crazy. But keeping your mind with the eyes sharp in the real needs of the world, in the real solutions that you need to build, in the problems that you want to solve instead of the shiny part of the technology, I really think that will be the main challenge of the companies. Mm -hmm. Keeping the employees and the leaders being able to say, no, 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 here I need to create a human context before. Here we need to create a human ethics before. That will be a big challenge of the companies, I think. And I really think this will change every industry. I mean, it's already disrupting everything. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think of the opportunities for Latinx folks, especially who want to get into AI, for example? Like, which advice would you give or any tip or any insight? I think there are two things. One is, no matter the area of the, the industry where you are, try to start learning advanced analytics in any way, or data science, or data principles, or data visualization. It depends on the industry where you are and the area that you like. But for sure, if you are professional, ready to start in any career, understanding data is a must. That's not negotiable. That will give the people, the professionals, huge advantage. Understanding data, understanding what it means, creating context for the data, and understanding how to solve problems with the correct data. That's the thing that in any career will make the difference. The second thing is, if you have child, try them to start learning a code, Python, maybe in the near future, nobody will need to code. But the logic and the discipline that you develop when you are learning code makes a difference. So if you have kids, every time a friend is telling me, no, my kids are all the time with the video games. And I'm like, okay, invite them to start holding them. <laughs> that will be a way to change and switch the problem into an opportunity. Because, I mean, the world will be needing more data uh, developers. But also, as humanity, we need 
the systems built with artificial intelligence or based on data to be more diverse, to be more inclusive, and to be aware of the different realities of the world. I mean, I want Siri to pronounce my name well because there are enough Rosarios who are developing. I want my Siri or Alexa or Google to be aware that I am a woman, that having my name ending in an O doesn't mean I'm a male, that I'm a Latina who like uh, X or Y or Z topics because of the possibility of having people with different backgrounds, different interests, different mixes of personality and having less biases. Let's say it that way. Yes. So that the only way is having more Latinas, more Latinos, more Colombianos, Brasileros, Ecuatorianos, Peruanos, etc. Building these technologies. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You brought really good points. Thank you so much for sharing. Which advice would you give to women who are interested in pursuing a career in technology? Don't stop because this world still has very few women. Don't change yourself, your style. I mean, one of my tips to young developers is keep your nails pink if you want. Keep your heels or the type of dress that you want. Don't try to be like the average people in the industry because, of course, we still have too much males, very few females in the industry, very few women. We need to keep ourselves as we are. It's more productive and comfortable to be yourself in any industry. So the companies who are supporting you to be yourself will be the winners. And don't stop. Search for role models, of course. Now there are many more than I had back in 2013. Fortunately, you see the difference in the market and you see the organizations with more Latinas and more Latinos in technology. And of course, I want to see more women who are printing their accent in the technology that they are building. Absolutely. I love your tips and yeah, find your role models. I think it's a really good one as well to help you to be inspired, to be yourself. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I'm feeling very inspired. I love your journey, Rosario. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your time. And I wanted to ask you, which resource helped you in your journey? I think many. Some from the personal perspective, I think developing discipline, some personal skills, I think that's or habits or traits of your personality. That's a thing that definitely helped me. I'm very disciplined and obsessed with that thing. So that helped me. Second thing that was very useful for me, communities, communities of developers, communities of women in business. So as I think that's a very important resource, I also volunteer time for some of those communities right now. But I think finding your tribe and asking for support and asking for knowledge and everything, I think that's key. The third thing, mentors. I have mentors, phenomenal mentors. Some of them are not anymore alive, but I have them. And I'm always looking for mentors who can help me with things that I don't know. They already walked that road. And the last thing, platforms. I mean, things like, uh, I really think one of the things that add me a lot of value was uh, Google Scholarship, because that's how I took the risk to start coding. <laughs> so finding those resources, training resources that are in the market and uh, take them because sometimes we are not applying because we feel like we don't have enough of what is needed to apply. No, apply and keep the, the energy advancing to finalize. And the last, I think some movies and books with stories of entrepreneurs who are doing things because sometimes when you see, and there's, for example, one movie that I love, World Before Mickey, 
I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's when you see a phenomenal rock star entrepreneur and you understand that, yes, sure, that picture of, of the entrepreneur is taken when he's already in the successful moment, but it's not the image of all that that person was walking before. That helps to understand that you need to keep being persistent. You will have downs and ups in the road, but at the end, when you want to build something and you persist and you move forward, it is completely possible to build the things. In the hard moments, you never remember that, but that's why I think seeing the stories of other people is a good way to remember that. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched a very important point. I think sometimes we underestimate the amount the other people actually are willing to help. Sometimes we're <laughs> yeah. afraid to ask questions or ask for help because I think everyone um, is super busy, but at the same time, I believe there is still more kind people than not kind. So 100%. sometimes if you do your research and reach out to someone asking for questions, asking for help, they will be willing to help you. I think especially... Latinx folks in general, we are always trying to help each other, especially because I feel it is so hard to get where we are. And sometimes <laughs> we don't have the resources. We need to recreate ourselves so many times. And it's very hard to get access to some things that when we get, we actually want to spread the message and help each other. So I feel this is a really great advice. Don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for help. Also, we Latinx people, we don't trust the others easily. And that's a disadvantage because trust has an infinite value. So if we can start trusting the others, creating communities where you can trust the others and help the others and ask for help, that will be phenomenal because it's an, a huge opportunity to keep supporting each other and create communities of trust. Yeah, that's incredible. Thank you so much, Rosario. I'm going to let the last minutes for you to share anything you want to share and also where people can find you. Well, people can find me in every, I mean, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as Rosario B. Casas. And something else I want to share is um, share your story. You never know who else is following you or hearing you. And it's that specific point of advice that you already solved in your life. It's like we always think that we need to be a super high-end leader to share our story. And the reality is that every story of a person who has a microphone in front of it is good enough to create a, a wave of growth for many others. Incredible. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.